You don't talk to me like that. Shut up. You don't talk to me I like that. No one, no one talks to me like that. Okay. Well, there you go. There's the engine. Dead. This is the word of God, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 12 through 31. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. That's all right, yeah. Glad for the word of God. That's pretty cool. All right, what's up? I'm Mark. I'm campus pastor at the Allen Park campus. I'm glad to be here with you local here in Trenton. And what's up, everybody online? Hey, if this is your first time, special shout out to you. I'm glad that you are here. So I got a couple of questions I want to ask you, okay? This is for everybody. So not just first time or a millionth time or online. We get microphones, so we can hear you, okay? So I'm just kidding. We don't. That'd be creepy. But we want to hear you, okay? So here's the deal. If I ask a question and your answer would be yes... So if you were to answer yes to the question I'd ask, then either raise your hand or what would be really cooler, a lot, lot neater would be if you just make a noise. Like say, like own your answer, like yeah, yes, something like that, right? Like own it, say it, right? Okay, use the tongues that you have. Okay, so uh, first question, and I thought this was appropriate today, so don't throw anything at me yet, all right? Um, how many of you are still Michigan fans? 
Okay, either we have silent people on this side or no Michigan fans whatsoever, and that's cool. All right, I don't care. I don't like either one of them. That's just me. So um, what about this? If you go to a birthday party, all right, if you go to a birthday party, this is really important, and you have, birth, you have cake and you have ice cream, huge choice here. Let's say you can only choose one, cake or ice cream. Don't give me, I want both. That doesn't count. You can't have that. You can only have cake or ice cream. You have to choose. How many of you would choose, would you choose ice cream? All right. See a lot of hands. That's still good. All right. A lot of cake people up in here. Um, what about this? Another choice. This is maybe more for the adults, possibly. Don't know. But um, coffee or tea? I know some of you are like, I don't like either. That's fine. You don't get that option right now. If you had to choose between coffee or tea, which one of you, how many of you would choose uh, coffee? Okay, you guys are, agree upon nothing, okay? You stink, all of you. No, I'm just kidding, you don't stink, I'm joking, I love you, whatever. Uh, what about this? How many of you, do, wait, do you breathe oxygen? Okay, it's funny that some of you are more excited about coffee than oxygen. Something's messed up, I'm just letting you know, biology. Anyways, uh, what about this, are you, are, are you human? Wow, I'm telling you, you're more excited about food than you, your body. This is interesting, something to note. All right, here's the deal. You guys are divided. You don't have anything in common, apparently, other than that we're humans, okay? It's funny, when adults walk into the room, you know what we do? We notice all the differences. That's what we do. We notice all the differences. They don't dress like me, they don't look like me. I bet they're different than me. I bet they talk differently than me. I bet they're better than me or worse than me. I bet they just write. You see this in middle school. Cafeterias, high school hallways, you see this in our workplaces all over the world. Adults, we notice the differences in each other and we're divided immediately. You know what we don't see when you walk across like the, the building here or like in a kid's room somewhere? A kid, brand new kid walks into a kid's room, another kid just says, hey, you wanna play? And the kid's like, sure, and they just start playing. And you know what the kid says to their mom after that class? Mom, I met my best friend in the whole wide world, right? Kids just meet friends, it takes literally like 0.2 seconds for a kid to meet their best friend in the whole wide world. And then you meet another best friend in the whole wide world two seconds later, right? But I mean, kids don't notice the differences as much. They don't. Now, I know you have different personalities and stuff. Kids don't notice the differences as much. Even with adults, right? If you, if you like go hang out with a kid for like five minutes or two seconds and you play a game with them, like you toss ball or you just go ooh, 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 ooh to a little kid, whatever, like you just do these things to little kids and guess what? You just made a best friend. And every time they see you, hey, Mark, hey, Mark, wanna play that game again? Hey, Mark, wanna, no, I thought it was a one-time thing, buddy. I'm sorry, man. I wasn't looking for a best friend in that moment. They wanna tell you their life story, whether you want it or not, what they like. I like ice cream, I like this, I like that. And they'll just go on and on and on because kids just wanna be friends, man. And sometimes we look at kids and say, you're so childish. That's what kids do. And as adults, uh-uh, we need to grow out of that. Because adults, right, evil things happen in the world and you have to teach stranger danger and all that kind of stuff. I get it, you have to, but it's not the kid's fault. It's our fault, it's the adult's fault. We're the ones doing the evil stuff. It's a shame that a kid has to worry about it because he may get hurt because of what adults may do, right? Here's, here's why this is what we're gonna talk about today, it's so important. We don't get what it's like to be one. Like unity isn't that big of a deal to us. Unity is completely based upon circumstance or a cause or an external thing. If we look alike, if we like the same things, if we're about the same cause, we'll kind of be unified, but we're only unified about that. 
And oftentimes, adults, we just don't do the hard work of learning what it's like to be one. Superficially, we'll be okay with each other, we'll tolerate and things like that, but we grew up in a culture and a society where we're very individualistic and we just do our thing, and we like to be us. And I don't want to change or compromise or learn what it's like to be one with other people. That's what we become. And I don't know if we realize how important this is, how big of a deal this is. There's words from Jesus in John chapter 17, verse 20 and 21. Man, this is convicting. And hopefully it opens up our eyes to the the importance of what we're going to be talking about today. This idea of one. Jesus says, John 17, 21, my prayer is not for them alone. He's talking about the apostles that were actually with there with them when he's praying this. He says that my prayer is not just for you. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message. That's us. They didn't speak to us directly. They spoke to someone who spoke to someone, but we are beneficiaries of that. So he's speaking to every single one of us. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am you, I am in you. May they also be in us why so that the world may believe that you've sent me like we don't think it's a big deal i can do church on my own i can just be my own thing i can do church my own way i can just be me right there's something about this oneness that this is the thing the world's going to notice this is the thing that's going to stand out to other people across the world that that means they must be from god and to us it doesn't matter And so we get divided over the silliest things in the universe. And so the world notices what? They notice that this group of people can't even be one themselves. Maybe it's because sometimes we think we can do it. Like I can make us one. And we're trying so hard to be one, but we can't. Sometimes we take things away from God that belong to him. God demonstrated, he said that he is one God, but he shows himself in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so that's why we're continuing this series called Full, where we're going through 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, and he's talking about the Holy Spirit to this brand new group of believers a long time ago in a Greek city called Corinth. It's so new Christians, they, they didn't know Jesus their entire lives. And then they find out about Jesus, they say yes to Jesus, and now they're learning what it's like to be a Christian, to be like Jesus. And they're messed up, they're dysfunctional. Can anybody relate? Like, you don't know this stuff. Well, they're struggling with it, and they don't understand the Holy Spirit, what the purpose of. And so they're messing it up, just like a lot of us are sometimes. And Jesus says, the Holy Spirit creates oneness in us. It's not something you and I can do. And he relates it to this body thing. Like a, it's like a body. We are all parts of the same body. And sometimes we don't, we don't think like that because it's not a big deal if I don't show up or if I don't do anything, if I don't get connected or engaged or if I'm not involved because it's just me. But somehow when, when I don't show up, the whole body suffers. And even knowing that, honestly, sometimes we might think, well, yeah, that stinks, but because we're so ingrained and it's just my life. It's me. Your life isn't my responsibility. If it hurts the body a little bit, well, I mean, I don't know if we grieve, if, if that would even make us suffer to know that the rest of the body is suffering possibly because I'm not doing the part that I was called to do. We all are part of this body. And some of you know what it's like to be disabled. Some of you know what it's uh, to not have your body fully functioning. Matter of fact, that's one of the reasons we have streaming online so that those that maybe can't be here physically, you can be here. I want to give you a story where just maybe you've heard of this guy, Nick Vucic. 
It's an Australian guy that has a very rare disorder. So listen to his story real quick. I was born in Melbourne, Australia, 1982, and my parents had no idea that I was going to be born without arms or legs. I was the only one that I ever saw without limbs. My faith in Jesus Christ was sealed after seven years of wondering why, God, I was born this way. Uh, he answered me very clearly through John chapter 9. And I gave my life to Jesus at 15 after reading about how he came across a man who was born blind. And I'm like, hey, hold on a second. This looks interesting. <laughs> and no one knew why he was born that way. I'm like, perfect. So I read on and in verse 3 of the ninth chapter, Jesus said it was done so that the works of God would be revealed through him. And I'm like, wow, God, if you had a plan for the blind man, you do have a plan for me. And that was the beginning of my personal relationship with Jesus. Youth groups were starting to call me. Churches were starting to call me. Opportunities were opening up everywhere for me to share my testimony. I was speaking in front of 300 sophomore public high school students. Three minutes into it, half the girls were crying. One girl in the middle of the room started weeping. She put up her hand and she said, I'm so sorry to interrupt, but can I come up there and give you a hug? In front of everyone, she came and she hugged me. She cried on my shoulder and whispered in my ear, no one's ever told me that they love me. No one's ever told me that I'm beautiful the way that I am. I couldn't believe it, it changed my life. At that moment, I knew God was ministering to her through me. It's not by my speech or my power, it was God. And my heart was ignited with a passion. And it was an awesome day to see one soul transformed forever. That was when I knew I was called to be a worldwide evangelist. Today, do not leave here unchanged. Leave here unchanged. You don't know what God can do with your broken pieces until you give God your broken pieces. And I want you to know when you fall down, God's grace is sufficient. God's hand will come down and pick you up. inspiring, isn't it? It's pretty crazy. Like, here's a couple of things. One, I want you to notice, like, um, this guy's got no arms and no legs, and yet he knows God is using him to make a difference. What's our excuse? So, thing I want you to notice is this. There are other people that might not have been born with arms, and, and they've learned to compensate, right? Their legs begin to do things that their arms were intended to do, or maybe they didn't have arms or, or legs, and their arms begin to do the things that their legs were intended to do. And so, you, you cope, you make do, you find ways to overcome in that sense, but you realize the amount of stress on the rest of the body, right? Body parts that are doing things that they weren't meant to do. It's not the way it was meant to do, meant to be, and the body still can't do everything the body was intended to do. So another thing we have to notice about this is this, we're kind of pay attention, because Paul uses this anatomical analogy, when I don't show up to do my part, the whole body suffers. Simple as that. 
Another body part has to do what my body part was supposed to do. And that body part wasn't intended to do that. It's frustrating. Now the church is going to continue to go on, but not healthy. The body needs to be healthy. And in order for a body to be healthy, every part needs to be healthy and working. You know what happens with a body part that doesn't get used? Atrophy. It's worse, weak. Maybe that's us. Here's our big idea up front. You are needed as a body of Christ. You're needed as part of the body of Christ. We all have different parts, but we're all needed as a part of the body of Christ. You know, some of us may be toes and fingers. Some of us may be eyes and spleens and bladders. Who knows what, right? That's the analogy here. Some of these things are seen, like you see your eyes, you see your face. You don't see your bladder unless you're like an x-ray kind of thing, right? So some of us may be seen with what we do, and some of us are behind the scenes, almost like invisible kind of, but it's not invisible to Jesus, right? Because the body, he knows what the body needs, and the Holy Spirit's role is to equip us and to give us the gifts so that we can be the functioning part of the body that we're supposed to be. And so when Jesus sees us show up to do our part, he's pleased. Listen, you don't need to be seen or unseen. You just, we just need to be the part that we're called to be. But often we're not. And just like with your body, you know, your muscular system, your circulatory, your respiratory, all these systems, they all work together to do some pretty amazing things. And you kind of take them for granted until what? One of them's not working. You know, like when your back has issues, like your whole body feels like it affect, it's affected by it, right? Your feet hurt, man, it just seems like it overcomes your knees and the rest of your body. The body has concern for one another. Can you say that? Can we say that? Do we have concern for the rest of the body? Or do we just have concern for our body? For me? And you see, the early church was struggling with this. And so you can say it was written a long time ago and it doesn't matter to us, it doesn't relate to us today, but yeah, it does. Because we struggle with the same stuff. We're all about, about the part that I play. What, what about me? And sometimes we don't have concern for the body. And the Holy Spirit has concern for the whole body, not just me. And so sometimes we don't trust the Holy Spirit or trust God to give us what we need. Or sometimes we don't trust him to do what we were called to do. I'd rather do something else. And when we do that, the whole body suffers. And so Paul uses this kind of crazy analogy, right? Like the, like the foot looking up to the rest of the body and saying, dude, I'm out. I'm out. I'm the one with a toe jam. What's up with that? Like, I stink. You don't. Like, I don't want to be, I don't want to be a toe anymore. I don't want to be a foot anymore. I'm done with this whole body thing, right? Or your eye going like, dude, the lips get all the attention. They get the makeup and everything. What about me? There's nobody looking at me, right? And so they just say, I'm done. I'm done doing my part. And you say, it's silly, it's ridiculous, and it is until you realize, wait a minute, that's us. We so, we, we get caught up in all the things that everybody else does. I want people to be like me or I want to be like them. And when we do that kind of stuff, the whole body suffers because we don't realize what the purpose, the role of the Holy Spirit is to create unity in us, not to make my body part the coolest thing ever or to bring recognition to me, but all of us working together to bring honor and glory to God and his church. Does that define us as a church? If not, this is us. We need this. We need this correction. This is important. 
And, and Paul then starts talking about these spiritual gifts. He starts listing some of them. Last week we listed some of them, and he lists a few more today. And he talks about them. And this time, notice, he, he lists them in kind of a priority, uh, like one, two, and three. And he says, and God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, and third, uh, teachers. So like this priority, first, second, and third. Why, why the priority? Like, why, why is he listing them like this is the more important, this is the first, second, and third? Because these are the foundational gifts. We talked about this last week a little bit. These are the, the gifts that the church, the early church, was built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. So these gifts were miraculous gifts given to those early, those 12 apostles that were specially commissioned by Jesus himself to speak the gospel for the very first time all over the world. They were sent, commissioned with his authority and power to do signs, wonders, and miracles, and they spoke the very word of God. Prophets had the same gift. They spoke the direct revelation of God to us, and that's why their words are recorded in Scripture, and that's why we are accountable to God's Word. We don't have those anymore. There are no more apostles and prophets like that. We don't have people that can speak, and their words can be added to Scripture. They don't exist anymore. The, the apostles aren't around. You know, the apostles had to be eyewitnesses of Jesus' ministry, his miracles, his life, death, and resurrection. Nobody can be eyewitnesses anymore. And we don't have apostles today to, to, to lay their hands on and confer those gifts to other people. And so if anybody says that they're an apostle today, they're either confused, delusional, or a cult leader. We, we don't have apostles. We don't have prophets like that anymore. However, when you look at the, the terms prophet and apostle, we might not have the capital A and capital P, but we do have like gifts of the apostles. So in other words, uh, what was the, the apostle, the word for apostle meant one who is sent. Today, if you were to say, what do we call someone who is sent uh, for Jesus on a mission? Maybe a missionary or a church planter, because they're doing a new work with new people in a new place. Now, those kinds of leaders, missionary, church planner, probably have multiple gifts, the gifts of leadership, of evangelism and compassion, teaching possibly, cross-cultural mission work, lots of gifts possibly. The prophet, the same thing, like a, a gift of teaching. And Ephesians 4, prophet and teacher are kind of connected. We'll see in a second. And all of these gifts, I kind of want you to notice, Jesus is kind of our model, our benchmark in a sense. Hebrews 3 talks about this. He says, fix your thoughts on Jesus whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. Jesus was the ultimate apostle and the high priest. So this role of apostle doesn't exist like that anymore. However, people can have those gifts like an apostle, one who is sent to do new work with new people in a new place. And when it comes to this prophet, potentially we don't have those capital P prophets anymore, but we do have people that can be like a teacher. Again, in the Ephesians, it, it kind of com combines these. And he says the other reason why these gifts are so instrumental and important is because these are the leadership gifts given to help others know how to use their gifts. Let me read it, Ephesians 4. Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that, again, here's the reason, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. Why do we have those leadership gifts at all? What's the purpose of them now? To build up the church, to equip everyone else to serve, like you and others, so that you can use your ministry gifts to go reach the world for Christ. Understand this, if, if all of the ministry in the world happened by the 1% of people that were kind of like professional uh, 
um, ministry people, like missionaries, church planners, preachers, that kind of thing, you, you know that the world can never be one to Christ. There's no way they can make disciples of all nations. But the 1%, let's say, is, 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 is needed or is equipped to equip the 99%, and that's you. Like, you're the ones who are going to go win the world for Christ. By walking down the hallway at your school, by walking across the cafeteria to another table, by walking down the hallway at your workplaces and talking to someone in another cubicle, by sharing your faith with your neighbors or people that you come across, like just by being like Christ, you are the 90%, and that's the work of the church. You see, Jesus did physical ministry when he was here on this earth in a physical body. And then after his work was done, he, he, he died and was rose from, he rose from the grave, and then he went to be with God the Father, and God the Father sends the Holy Spirit to be with us. So now we continue the work that he started. That's our role. We're the 99% that goes out. Are you? And God says, I've equipped you for something. I've equipped you for something that's powerful. He talks about the prophets and the apostles. And so this prophet-teacher thing in Ephesians, you see how it was prophets and teachers. So it's kind of like maybe it's not two separate roles. It's kind of like this hyphenated prophet-teacher thing. And so uh, prophets uh, and teachers, I mean, uh, teacher and pastor, kind of the same word in the New Testament. So here we have like elders, elders, pastors, teachers. And these are like the men in the early church who were, uh, met the qualifications of 1 Timothy chapter 3. And they were leaders in that early church. They were men who should, have, should be able to teach sound doctrine. They should be able to protect the church from false doctrine. They should also be able to help those uh, when, when Christians, believers, are sinning or continuing to live in a disobedient lifestyle. They should be able to direct and discipline. They should also be mature believers who can help lead and guard the church to make sure we stay on mission and our doctrine as well. Here at South Point, we have six you know, elders um, six men who are elders, Brett is just one of them, and that's the role, to guard and lead the church, and also to shepherd the flock. And as a leader, as an elder, as a pastor, you probably have multiple gifts within the team. Some are more gifted at evangelism, or gifted at teaching, or gifted in um, caring, or compassion ministries. And it's so good to have all of those gifts on your team. So not all of us necessarily are called to be like those elders, but we're all called to aspire to those qualifications and, and to learn God's word. But some of us are called to be like that pastor because the pastor, in other words, uh, is shepherd. Jesus is the ultimate shepherd, but some of us are just gifted in care ministry to, to counsel people, to lead small groups, to care about people. Like, so we just genuinely have care for others, and you're gifted in that. We should use that to, to, to care for other people, to help point them towards Christ and to minister to them, right? To, like Jesus said, to feed the flock, to, to care for them, to direct them, to help them when they're in need, just to help them in all seasons of life, to walk life together. We need lots of shepherds, lots of people who desire that gift and who actively use that gift because there's over 300,000 people in Downriver. Who's going to shepherd them? And Jesus says to run after the one, right? The one sheep of the hundred that run off. How in the world can one person or six people run after all of them? We need lots of shepherds. Some of you have that gift of teaching. Not necessarily, again, like the, in an authoritative sense, but you have the gift of teaching. Whether it's, it might be natural gift that you have, or it might be something from experience or education that you've learned, or it might be a supernatural gift that you've been given. If you have the gift of teaching, man, we want you to desire, Paul wants you to desire to teach God's word. What greater thing in this world could you teach? To use your gift to help others understand the words of God. The, the text, to understand how to apply it, to, to know what it means, to be able to teach Who's the greatest teacher in the universe? Jesus. 
People were inspired by his amazing teaching. He taught with authority because he taught in the Spirit, in the power of the Holy Spirit. So we need lots of teachers. We're gifted. We're blessed to have many gifted teachers here, but we need lots of teachers. Again, there's over 300,000 people down the river. We need lots of gifted people, spirit-filled people to win down the river to Christ. He also talks about uh, the gifts of like administrations and help. So like we talk about administration and help. These kind of like behind the scenes kind of stuff. A lot of times you think well, if you don't have a microphone and you're not on stage on a weekend, then you have no ministry. That's crazy. There's so much ministry that happens behind the scenes, so much more that happens behind the scenes than up front. You just know today for, there are people that were create, uh, taking care of communion, setting it up, making the communion bread itself, pouring them into the cups, people that were taking care of refreshments, setting up the building, ushers and greeters to, to, help, to care for you, people who were taking care of our kids, preparing lessons and teaching them, pouring into them. Out in the parking lot, we had th- people there staining all those tables and fixing them this week while you were, you know, we were enjoying them during the services. Like there's lots of things that are happening and that's just on the weekend. Not to mention all the other things that happen throughout the week and outside of the building. Like ministry happens all over. Maybe you're gifted to be behind the scenes. Maybe you're the person that's gifted. Every time someone says, hey, I need help, you love volunteering. You love serving and helping meet needs. It just, it's just something you love to do. Use that gift to serve, to serve others in the name of Christ. Like build that gift. Maybe it's administration. I know we don't talk about this sometimes, but like just the idea of you love to bring order out of chaos. <laughs> you love worksheets and spreadsheets and day planners. That's your jam. Like you love to-do lists and task management. And like the office kind of managers and operators. Like the world needs you as well. You're not just like a business person. The church needs people who can bring order out of chaos to herd all these cats to go in the same direction, right? You are all gifted. The problem is, well, two things. One, sometimes we don't realize it or we don't care that we're gifted. And then the second thing is we don't use our gift. And you see when the body functions, the body goes in the same direction in a healthy manner. He talks about the miracles and, 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 um, and healing as well. He kind of mentions that, right? In the reference, we talked about this last week. There were people in the early church that were actually gifted to perform supernatural miracles to confirm the words that were being spoken by the apostles in the early church. And they were needed in that day and time. We just don't see God using those gifts like that anymore today's world. Every once in yes, God still does miracles. He does miraculous things. But now we, he tells us to pray for those that need healing, to pray. Our elders are encouraged to pray for those who are sick and just um, you know, in, despondent or in despair. We pray for them, trusting that God will do what only God can do, but also understand God uses doctors and nurses and other people as well. God does things. And sometimes he uses like a supernatural thing in other places in the world, especially on the missions field, when like scripture, like the Bible isn't written in their own language. And so God uses, he does what he needs to do to accomplish the purpose that he has for the church. But they're not the most important gifts. And then at the bottom of the list, you know what's there? Tongues. He mentions tongues in the very bottom. And this is where a lot of people sometimes want to make tongues like the coolest and best and most impressive and important gift that everybody should have. But that's not what the Bible says. That's what Scripture says. It's at the end. We're going to talk more about this in two weeks when we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. So make sure you come back for that. But why don't you notice today is, listen, there's no greater, there's no most amazing gift and everybody has to have that gift. We all have different gifts. Desire these gifts and use them. 
We're going to talk about 1 Corinthians 13. We're going to open up the love chapter next week, and we're not having a wedding on stage yet. But we're still going to talk about the first chapter, I mean, chapter 13. That's like always the time you hear it. And Paul actually says, I want to share with you the most excellent way. All you Bill and Ted fans out there, they didn't create that phrase. Okay, it came from Scripture. The most excellent way. So make sure you bring some friends with you next week and come back because especially people who need some love, (laughs) some encouragement, they're going to get some encouragement, some love next week. As a church, as a body, you may be, if you're new around here, listen, relax, enjoy. We don't want something from you. We want something for you. But I do want to encourage you, like, don't relax too long. Not because we need something, but because I don't want you to miss out on what God has for you. Like, God's equipped you and gifted you for something. And I want you to realize that and use that. But if you call this your home, if you come, if you're regular around here, then maybe we need to stop coming and expecting the building to be, like, all prepared. And it's like a movie theater for my comfort and convenience. Maybe it's time to, to do my part. Because maybe, maybe we're realizing the body's suffering unless all of us are working together because it's our big idea. We all have different parts. We all have different gifts and abilities, but you're needed as a part of the body of God. Like, you're needed. I don't know if anyone's told you that before. You're needed. I don't know if you feel like that, but you're needed. That's what God says. You're needed. Whether I fully understand it or you fully understand it, you are needed. You're wanted. You're desired. You're equipped. And you're needed. So what are we going to do with this, church? Are we going to be one? Are we going to walk out of here and go on our own individual ways? In order to win down the river to Christ and do what the church, only the church can do. You know, Jesus said if you can be one right, what the church can be what the church was really meant to be, not even the gates of Hades can overcome it. That's not a bunch of individuals being awesome at what we do. That's the unified body of Christ showing the world what unity truly looks like by being under the influence of the Holy Spirit and using our lives, everything that we've been given for the glory of God and for the purpose of the church. Talk about last week how you can find out maybe what your spiritual gifts are. And you can, um, uh, we talked about just trial and error at first. Maybe just sample serving in all kinds of different ministries to kind of see what you're gifted at or find, until you find that sweet spot. You can go on our website, team.southpointccc.com, and you can find out we have a spiritual gifts assessment. It's not the final word or authority, but it may be helpful in helping you understand. You can listen to that message on a podcast or watch it online last week. But also, while you're on that website, you can sign up for a team. Super simple. Sign up for a team to start serving somewhere. A long journey starts with one step, right? So take that first step of signing up for one of the ministry teams. Lots of opportunities, so many different opportunities. And while you're on the website or today in a few moments, we're going to have a chance for you to respond. We'll have people up front or on your connection cards that you can fill out online. Let us know if you're not connected to the body. Like maybe you want to become, you know, you want to become a member of this church. Say, I'm in, I want to be connected. Or maybe you're just not connected other than attending every once in a while. Let us know. Let us help you connect with the body. The crazy thing is you might not realize this, but you might be like a little bitty finger or an eyeball or some body part that's looking for the rest of your body. And maybe some of the frustrations you have in life, maybe some of the weaknesses, maybe some of the struggles that you have is because you don't have a body. And so you're trying to do all kinds of things that you weren't called or meant to do. See, we just don't realize how important unity is. And we didn't realize maybe it's something that the Holy Spirit, that God does. He wants us to be one so that the world will know. And these are amazing gifts that he's given us, not for any one of us to be lifted up, 
but for all of us to be together. But the greatest gift, the greatest gift is salvation. That's the greatest gift. And maybe some of you today haven't received that or heard about it or accepted it. Maybe you're still working on your past and all the sins and struggles you've had and the hurts and the baggage and you can't get rid of it. You're working hard trying to, but you can't. This is another thing that you and I can't do, but God can do through Jesus Christ. So let him do what only he can do so that you can be healthy. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, for by one spirit we were all baptized into one body. One spirit we were baptized into one body. And we were all made to drink of one spirit. All these ones. Have you been baptized into that body? Like, are you connected? That's when you begin to function healthily, if that's a word. You begin to understand what, who, what part you are and, and what you play and what your role is. And then you begin to see the body becoming healthy. Church, listen, this is what Downriver needs. A group of people that will be willing to be the body of Jesus Christ. That's powerful. It starts with saying yes to Jesus and then being connected to the body. So we're going to sing this song here in a second. And, and during this song, here's your chance to kind of respond, to say, I want to either say for the first time yes to Jesus or maybe it's to say, I want to say yes to being connected to the body, to becoming a member. We're going to have friends up here who are gifted to just have conversations with you, to help you with your next step. We have water back here. We have clothes and towels, nothing to get in the way of you taking that next step, no matter what it is. The only thing that's going to get in the way is you. We grew up in an individualistic culture and society, and so did the Corinthians and their church and their culture. And God's saying, listen. For a moment, please, think about the body. Think about the body, not just your, you. Are you playing your part so the body can be healthy, so that the world will know that we're from God? Man, that's powerful.